Family, this morning I want to begin by asking you to use your imagination. Friend, I want you to imagine that for the last two weeks, you've been living up in the mountains without food and without water. Day by day over the last two weeks, somehow you've been eking out your survival by sipping rainwater off the top of some large leaves. Your only nourishment has come by eating a few dried berries and chewing on a few roots that you found. I want you to imagine how you would feel of two weeks like that. You're parched, you're emaciated, your face is starting to sink in, your legs are trembling with weakness as you walk. Things are looking really, really bleak for you. But then all of a sudden, around the next bend, you discover a rustic cabin. It looks abandoned, so you turn the doorknob and you enter, and you walk inside to see what you might discover, anything that might ease your starving belly. You're rummaging through the cupboards, empty cupboard after empty cupboard, when all of a sudden, back in the corner, you feel something with your hand. And you pull it out, and what is it? It's a can of Dinty Moore beef stew. You can't believe this. Here is a can full of the life-giving nourishment you need. It has protein. It has beef. It has potatoes. It has vegetables. It's covered in a nice gravy. And there on the front, you can even see in color, you can see the picture of what is inside that can. And there is no doubt now in your mind that inside of this one aluminum can holds the sustenance that you need that can bring your body back to life. Now, Christian, imagine you're standing there and you're holding this can of Dinty Moore beef stew in your hands. What is, friends, what is the very next question that comes into your mind? I heard someone say it. Where is the can opener? Where is the can opener? Where is the tool that will facilitate the opening of this metal can so that I can appropriate this nourishment to my body? I can't bang this can open. I can't peel it open. I can't pop it open. No, there's only one mechanism. There's really just one means. There's really just one instrument that is designed to help me get into this can, and that is the can opener. Only with a can opener can I open that can and partake of that delightfully nourishing beef stew. Christian friends, here in this message for this 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, this morning we want to look at what the Scripture declares to be the one and only tool, the one and only means, the one and only instrument, the one and only mechanism for tapping into the life-giving grace of God in salvation. And dear friends, that one and only instrument is sola fide, faith alone. Now believers, you need to know that this subject that we're embarking upon today is without question. It is the touchstone 
It is the hallmark of the Protestant Reformation. The debate about how sinners are made right with a holy God. That is the centerpiece of this question that was burning during the Reformation. This doctrine, how sinners are made right with God. This is a doctrine known as justification. How sinners can be made right with God. Family, this was the center of the storm that raged between Martin Luther and the rest of the Reformers and the Roman Catholic Church. Friends, even still today, we are now 500 years removed from the Reformers, but this issue, sola fide, justification by faith alone, dear friends, this is still the primary source of contention between evangelicals and Roman Catholics. This is still the dividing line that divides between the true biblical gospel and every other message based on works. Dear friends, you and I can never underestimate, we can never downplay the importance of justification by faith alone. This is the fundamental doctrine. This is the foundational doctrine that upholds our entire Christian faith. In fact, justification by faith is so important that Martin Luther once wrote that upon this article, that is justification by faith alone, upon this article, the church stands or falls. John Calvin, who was also a great theologian in his own right, Calvin was about 25 years younger than Martin Luther. John Calvin wrote these words about justification, that it is the main hinge upon which our religion turns. Family Calvin was right. Luther was right. Everything in our Christian faith rises and falls on this doctrine, on this truth, this doctrine of justification. How are fallen sinners made right with a holy God? Friends, as we begin to dig into some scriptures today, we are wrestling with questions that were posed by the Reformers themselves. They're hard questions. They're questions still asked 500 years later. How are sinners made right with God? How do the benefits of Christ and God's grace, how do they become appropriated to the believer? In other words, what is the instrument that provides salvation to us? Or in other words, what is the tool that opens salvation to us? Is it faith and good works, as the Roman Catholic Church says? Or is it by faith alone, as the Reformers taught? Well, family, when you and I make our stand with the Reformers in this great doctrine of sola fide, faith alone, what exactly are we saying? When we say we believe in sola fide, faith alone, what are we saying about what we believe about how a person, a sinner, is made right with God. Well, family, today we want to consider four biblical truths together, four biblical truths on how sinners like us are made right with a holy God. So I hope you'll look in your bulletin there and follow along with some of these notes that I provided for you. Four biblical truths about how sinners like us are made right with a holy God. This is the doctrine 
of sola fide. So here's number one, family. Sinners are justified through the forensic legal declaration of God. Number one, sinners are justified through the forensic legal declaration of God. Now, I hope you still have your Bibles open this morning. We're going to begin, friends, with Romans chapter 3, which was our scripture reading for today. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 28. I want to direct your attention there once again. Romans 3 and verse 21. Paul writes, by the Spirit's power, Paul writes, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Christians, I hope you noticed this morning as we read there, I hope you noticed a reoccurring word in that text. It is the word justified. Justified. That is an essential word. In the book of Romans, Paul uses this word and related words some 30 times in Romans. This idea of justification, that word justification means to justify or how are sinners justified, how are sinners made right with a holy God. Family, that is one of the primary doctrines of the book of Romans. Now, family, you'll remember from your own studies, that back in medieval times, the Roman Catholic Church taught that grace was almost like a something. God's grace was almost like a substance. It was like this heavenly substance, this heavenly force, this kind of impersonal power. And the Roman Catholic Church taught that grace was, was almost like water. It was a something that would get poured out into a person's soul, and it would transform the sinner into the saint, a bad person into a good person. And the Roman Catholic Church's idea about grace was that grace over time, as it would be given to your soul, that over time that grace would make you righteous. But the Reformers, and Martin Luther in particular, discovered in the Bible that the Roman Catholic Church's perspective was incorrect. It was biblically inaccurate. You see, Luther, as he was there studying as a professor of theology, he was studying God's Word, and Luther discovered that the word justified in the original Greek text doesn't mean to make righteous. It rather means to declare righteous, to proclaim as righteous. And friends, that is a very big difference. There's a very significant distinction between declaring righteous and making righteous. 
family, this verb that Paul uses talking about to justify, this is a forensic term. That means it's a legal term. It's a term that's used in the courtroom. So Luther and the other reformers were saying, wait a minute. Hold on a second, Roman Catholic Church. The Bible says that justification is the act by which God declares a sinner to be righteous in his sight, even while that person is still a sinner. So family, when we talk about the justification of sinners, the scripture is so clear. God's grace doesn't come down like water in our souls, infusing us in some special way, and ultimately making us righteous over time. No, the Bible teaches that God, in his sovereign courtroom of heaven, declares us to be righteous in his sight, even before we start to act righteous at all. The truth is, we are still sinners. We are sinful to the core of our being. But yet, in God's courtroom verdict, he declares us accepted in his sight. He declares us righteous. Now, in his many writings, Martin Luther often described this, this concept by coining a little phrase in Latin. And I want to give it to you, and it's in your notes this morning. This little phrase that Martin Luther coined, it goes like this, simul justus et peccator. That's a Latin phrase that simply means this, at the same time, a saint and a sinner, or at the same time, righteous and a sinner. Family, don't miss this distinction here. The Roman Catholic Church taught then, and the Roman Catholic Church still teaches now, that justification is a process by which sinners must cooperate with grace, and over time, as they cooperate with grace, the church teaches that they will be made righteous in their person. But on the contrary, Luther studied God's word. Luther looked at scripture and he looked at the text and Luther says that's not correct. It's not correct. Justification is not God making a sinner righteous, but God declaring in his courtroom that the, that the sinner is righteous in his sight. Now, family, we're going to shift gears here to our second statement, our second truth regarding faith alone. And I know you're probably saying it right now because any good thinker would say this. Any good thinker would say, well, hold on a second. That's not right. How can God declare a sinner to be righteous in his sight when that sinner is unrighteous? to his or her very core. I mean, how can that be the, the declaration of God? How can God declare such a thing? Seriously, what kind of a judge in Luzerne County declares a criminal righteous, just, if that criminal has committed heinous, awful crimes? We would say that's not a good verdict. That's not a just declaration. That's not a good judge. That's a bad judge. That's the kind of judge that we vote out on election day. That's a serious question, isn't it? Well, it leads us to the Bible's second truth about sola fide. Here's number two. Sinners are justified 
because of Christ's righteousness, which is credited to them. Number two, sinners are justified because of Christ's righteousness, which is credited to them. Family, the Roman Catholic Church was so enraged at Martin Luther. They called him out to a public council. They wanted him to recant. They wanted him to recant his teachings, to recant all of his books and writings. They were so angry at Luther that Luther was going against the accepted teaching and doctrines of the church. Luther was teaching what the scripture teaches that justification is about God declaring sinners to be righteous and not actually made righteous by infused grace. They wanted Luther to recant, but Luther refused. He refused because of what he saw in Scripture. Well, what did Luther rediscover? I mean, it was there all the time, right? It had been there. It's right there in the Scripture. Well, what did he rediscover? about how a sinner can be declared righteous even though they aren't righteous in their person. Well, how do we reconcile that? Well, family, it's, we reconcile that question by considering the Bible's teaching on what we call imputation. Imputation. Now, let me set the stage here for us with a little story, a little illustration to help this, this make sense to us. I want you to imagine this morning that Will Stanley is a million dollars in debt. I mean, we all love Will, great guy, loves Christ, but he's bad with money. And now, up, oh, he's made some really bad choices, and he's got a million-dollar debt. Well, here comes this other guy. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Bill Gates. Bill Gates was the founder of the Microsoft Corporation. He's a billionaire like four times over. Well, it just so happens that Will and Bill Gates both do their banking at Bank of America. And Bill Gates hears the plight of Will Stanley, this young father, carpenter on the side, working hard for his family, but he's, now he's a million dollars in debt. So Bill Gates decides to do something totally unbelievable, totally with unbelievable generosity here. Bill Gates walks up to the bank counter and he tells the bank clerk, I want you to take Will Stanley's $1 million debt and transfer it into my account. And then, then I want you to take $5 million out of my account and I want you to credit it to Will Stanley's account. Now family, what I just illustrated for you is what is known as imputation. Or if we really wanted to be technical, what I just demonstrated for you is what we might even call a double imputation. A double imputation. And it is, that is the way that God is able to declare sinful people like us righteous in His sight. God is declaring us to be righteous because of imputation. An exchange takes place. He takes away the sins from our account and gives them to Christ and then transfers to us a credit of Christ's own righteousness. And how can Jesus give us this righteousness? Because when Jesus walked this planet, he was righteous. Jesus was infinitely righteous. He even said to John the Baptist at his baptism, 
I want you to baptize me, John. It's the right thing to do to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. And then he went to the cross to die for our sins so that this great exchange could take place. Now let's just consider a few scriptures, family, that teach this amazing principle of this great exchange of our sins going to Christ and His righteousness credited to us. Look in your scripture there at Romans 3.24. Paul says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Notice, family, we are declared righteous because of God's grace. And that grace is given to us so freely because of what Jesus did for us in redemption. The word redemption, the word redeem, means to buy back. And that is what Jesus did for us. He went to the cross and took our sins and He bought us back to the Father. Look in your notes, family. I also gave you 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 19 and also verse 21. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Look at this. Not counting their trespasses against them. Verse 21, He made him, that's Christ, God made Christ who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. Why? Look at the rest of the verse. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Do you see that great exchange in 2 Corinthians 5.21? Our sins go to Christ and His righteousness comes to us. And so God can then be a good judge, a just judge in declaring that we are righteous in His sight. Now, family, just to give you a little story to make this clear, a few years back, there was a man in England. This man was a very, very wealthy man, extremely wealthy beyond anything we could understand here in America. This man had his Rolls Royce, and he wanted to take his Rolls Royce on vacation, so he took the Rolls Royce and put it on a boat and sailed across from England over to the continent of Europe where he was going to go and travel for a number of weeks on holiday. Well, as this very wealthy man was driving around Europe in his Rolls Royce, something happened to the motor. Started making all these clanging noises, and he didn't know what was going on. So he finally got over to a town and was able to get a telephone, and he called back. He called back to the Rolls Royce company in England, and he said, I'm having trouble with my car. The engine's having major problems, and I, I don't know what to do. Well, immediately... The Rolls-Royce company flew a mechanic over, and they repaired the engine, and then the man left again, and the wealthy man was able to continue his holiday. Well, as the wealthy man continued to drive his Rolls-Royce around the countrysides of, of Europe, he began to wonder, I wonder how much this is going to cost me. When I finally get back home, how much is this engine repair going to cost? Well, when he got home from holiday, he wrote Rolls-Royce a letter and asked how much he owed them. Within a week, though, he received a letter from the Rolls-Royce home office with this incredible reply. The letter said, Dear Sir, 
There is no record anywhere in our files that anything ever went wrong with a Rolls Royce. Family, I love that story. What a great picture of justification. This double imputation. God sees no more record of our sins. Our sins have been removed from us. And what has been transferred to us, credited to us, is the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. The very righteousness of His own Son is upon us. And God sees us through that righteousness. And He declares us righteous in His sight. Well, family, so far we've seen two aspects of justification, haven't we? Here's a third one. Number three. Believers are justified completely apart from any merits, good works, or law-keeping of their own. Number three, sinners are justified completely apart from any merits, good works, or law-keeping of their own. Christian friends, if you were to have a conversation with a dedicated Roman Catholic person, if you were to ask that Roman Catholic friend or acquaintance, do they believe that a person can be made right before God? Well, you would receive a positive reply. Roman Catholic people don't deny grace. Of course they believe in grace. Of course they believe in God. Of course they believe in Jesus. Of course they believe in the cross. Yes, they do believe in this thing called justification, that a sinner needs to be made right with God. But family, their official theology, the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church is that justification is a process. They don't believe it's an event. They believe it's a process. It's something that, yes, while Christ contributes something to the process, they also believe that human beings need to contribute to the process. That human beings need to con con contribute some works, some efforts, some human merits. And so in the Roman Catholic system, believers are taught that they must assist and help along this grace that God has given to them. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that grace comes to a person through Christ, through the sacraments, all the various sacraments of the church. And people are taught that if they want to be right with God, they must cooperate with God's grace that comes to them through the sacraments. And so, the more they cooperate... And the more obedient they are, and the more they follow those sacraments, well, that will keep them in a state of grace. And so long as they stay in that state of grace, then ultimately heaven will be their home. You know, family, I meet so many Catholic people, and I've met so many in the last 20 years of my ministry in this city. So many Roman Catholic people who are discouraged because they have no real sense of security about their eternal life. They have no real security about their own eternal destiny. They just never have any confidence. They're really not sure if they have cooperated enough with the grace, cooperated enough with all the sacraments. Did they really do enough good works cooperating with grace in order to make justification a reality? Well, family, in stark contrast to this, you have Luther and you have all the other reformers teaching from the Bible, from the Scriptures, 
The Bible is so clear that justification is by grace alone, not by grace plus something we add to it. Remember again what Scripture says there in Romans 3.20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. Family, look down at verse 28 of our same text this morning, Romans 3.28. Therefore, Paul says, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Christian friends, what's so incredible about the book of Romans is the way in Romans chapter 3, Paul is holding out the doctrine of justification by grace through faith alone. But then you get to chapter 4, and Paul uses a great illustration of someone whose life was changed by faith alone. And would you know that person that Paul chooses is Abraham. Would you look with me for a moment just over to chapter 4, verses 1 to 3? Here's the primary illustration of someone who is justified by faith. Father Abraham. Paul says in Romans 4 verse 1, What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Family, Abraham was right with God, wasn't he? Wasn't Abraham right before God? He was. But it wasn't because of his works. It wasn't because of his religion. It wasn't because of his merits. No, the Bible says it was because of his faith. We read that back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Abraham brought nothing of himself to the table. He simply believed. God made a promise to Abraham. God made a statement to Abraham. Abraham believed it. And God credited Abraham with righteousness. In other words, Abraham was justified by God's grace through the instrument of faith. Friends, you all remember that famous scripture in Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace... You are saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. Abraham had no boasting. You and I have no boasting. God shows grace, and by faith we believe. Friends, may we always remember what makes justification so beautiful, what makes it so wonderful, what makes it so humbling to us as Christians, is that we are saved completely free of all human merit. No human efforts are involved in salvation. In fact, look in your notes. I love what A.W. Pink said about this topic. A.W. Pink said, quote, The absolute favor of God can no more consist with human merit than oil and water will fuse into one. That's right. Believers, when we affirm sola fide... We are defending the truth of the Bible. It's the truth of Scripture from cover to cover that men are made right with God not because of anything that those men have done. It is apart from human merits. It is solely by God's benevolence, God's kindness, God's grace. So the only ground where justification will grow 
is a ground where all the weeds have been pulled out, the weeds of human merits and human good works. You know, the soil where justification grows is this great, beautiful soil of God's free grace. Now, family, can I show you one more great truth about justification that we learned from Scripture? Number four, sinners are justified only through the means of faith in the merits of Christ. Sinners are justified only through the means of faith in the merits of Christ's person and work. Family, this morning we've been looking at some of the grandest truths in God's Word. These are some of the greatest truths that we could ever study. The Bible tells us that sinners are justified by the declaration of God. It's His declaration. It's a legal declaration. And secondly, that declaration is right. It's a good declaration. It's just because God makes it possible by crediting to us the very righteousness of Christ Himself. And because of that justification, because it comes from Christ, because of Christ's person, because of Christ's work, you and I do not add to it. We add nothing. We contribute nothing. It is all what Christ did. It is not our performance. It's His performance, His perfect life, and His death on the cross. So family, with all of that said, we have now looped all the way back around to where we have begun. Here's this reality, justification. How are sinful people made right before a holy God? Here are you and I, spiritually starving, spiritually emaciated. How do we appropriate this life-giving provision to ourselves? How do we open this gift that comes to us, this great gift of forgiveness, salvation, eternal life? Well, family, the only instrument, the only means... The only measure available to us, the Bible says, is faith alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Look in your notes. I've given you some great scriptures, and we'll just highlight some of these. Galatians 2.16, Paul says, Knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus, even as we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Look at Galatians 3.11. Paul says, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Look at Paul's own hope. Paul's own personal belief. We see it coming on the page in Philippians 3, verse 8. Paul says that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Romans 5.1 is one of my favorite scriptures. You ought, to you ought to commit it to your memory, believers. Romans 5.1, where Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear listeners, I just want to pause here for a moment, and I want to ask you, friend, I want to ask you, can you personally say that you've been justified by faith? Have you been made right with God by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ? 
Friend, don't go another day. Don't go another moment thinking that your morality, your good works, your religion is somehow going to earn you favor with God. And the Bible says all of your very best efforts, the very best you could ever do, the Bible says is like dirty rags before a holy God. Your heart and soul have been so completely corrupted by sin that no matter how hard you try, even your best efforts are soiled, stained with your sin. Dear friend, you are hopeless apart from Christ. Christ is your only hope. You must call out to Christ by faith. By faith, you reach out to Christ and you receive the forgiveness that He offers. No works are necessary. No religion is necessary. No accomplishments are necessary. Christ has done it. You are to come by faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says. Believe on Christ. Believe what Christ has done for you. Trust that what Christ has done for you is sufficient. And if you do that, the Bible says, the righteousness of Christ is credited to you, and you are declared righteous and accepted before God. Friend, isn't that great? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. I love Isaiah 45, 22. Scripture says, Look to me and be saved, all you the ends of the earth. Friend, look to Christ. Look to Christ today. May this be the day that you believe on Jesus as your Savior. Well, Christians, as we draw to a close this morning, I want to give you three relevant applications for your everyday life that flow right out of this doctrine of sola fide, faith alone. Can I just send you home with these three relevant applications? First of all, Christian, let me remind you that when you're talking to people about salvation, when you're talking about the gospel with them, especially when you're talking to someone who's a devoted Roman Catholic, don't make the mistake of saying that you have been saved by faith. Because that is not accurate. You are not saved by faith. You are saved by Christ. You are saved by Christ. We are saved by what Jesus Christ did for us. His person and His work. But faith is the means Faith is the instrument by which we receive what Christ provides. So friend, be accurate in your doctrine when you talk to people. Be correct in your, in your doctrine. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Friend, that is the gospel. Secondly, friends, realize this, that sola fide enables you to offer the hope of Jesus to anyone, anyone who might be struggling, someone who's despairing, that they could never be good enough for heaven. Oh, you don't know what I've done, they'll say to you. You don't know what I've done in my life. You can offer them hope, friend, because the hope is not in what they have done or what they ever could do. The hope is in Christ. You can always offer hope, especially to those Roman Catholic friends who are struggling and who have no uncertainty. They're so bound up in a works-based salvation. They need to hear that salvation is not to be earned, but that it's a gift. It's the gift of God given freely 
to all those who would believe by faith on Jesus Christ. Friend, don't be ashamed to share the gospel with anyone. It is good news for this world. And then lastly, family, I'll send you home with this great application. Don't ever buy into this modern notion. And this modern notion bubbles up from time to time that we are all standing together in agreement with the Roman Catholic Church. You will hear it said, and it is often said in the modern day, that, well, we all just basically believe the same thing when it comes to justification. And family, to that I say, no, we do not. We do not believe the same thing. Family, in response to the Reformation, the Roman Catholic Church had a counter-reformation. The Roman Catholic Church responded to all of this upheaval in doctrine and teaching. And the Roman Catholic Church had their own council, and they called it the Council of Trent. And at the Council of Trent, the official position of the Roman Catholic Church, they put forth in their official documents that anyone who believes in justification by faith alone, anyone who believes in sola fide is anathema to the Roman Catholic Church. That word anathema means accursed. Accursed. The Roman Catholic Church, dear friends, has never rescinded those writings from the Council of Trent. That is their official position still today, 500 years after the Reformation. If you believe in this doctrine, if you believe in justification by faith alone, if you believe in sola fide, then the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church considers you anathema, excommunicated, under the curse, they say. Dear friends, I would rather be accursed by a thousand popes and 10,000 church councils than to turn my back on the Bible that teaches sola fide. Dear friends, this is not just some obscure doctrine. Sola fide is Christianity. Sola fide is the gospel. Family, as we come to this 500th anniversary this Tuesday, may each one of us be glad to stand alongside the reformers like Martin Luther and even John Calvin who said this, let it therefore remain settled that this proposition is exclusive, that we are justified in no other way than by faith or which comes to the same thing, that we are justified by faith alone. Thanks for listening. This Preaching for a Change broadcast has been brought to you by the Grace Baptist Church of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at mygracebaptist.church. If you enjoyed this broadcast, then share it with a friend on your favorite social media network. And be sure to join us next time for more enlightening and encouraging biblical exposition here on Preaching for a Change.